Hola, you are listening to First Gen Healing, a podcast on Latinx healing and awakening journeys. My name is Priscila Luna. I am your host, and I am so excited to bring to you guys today's guest. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hola, I am Violeta. I am a first generation Mexican immigrant. I am uh, the founder of Money Chisme, a uh, podcast, blog, YouTube. Um, it's basically a platform. The goal is to teach uh, financial literacy, uh, personal finance, and especially real estate investing. That's my passion. Been here in the U.S. for 33 years now. I came over here when I was three. I was born in uh, Monterrey, Mexico. And yeah, it was, it's been a long journey. You came here when you were three. <gasps> yeah. Do you have yeah. memory of Mexico at all? It's so vague. And, and it's funny that you asked because recently I went uh, home to visit my parents for Mother's Day. And my dad had like a hit, a big old bag of like pictures mm-hmm. and it's like, and I'm there and I was like, I don't remember this at all. And some things I vaguely remember, I I do remember a few times that I went to like Monterrey or to Matamoros, but I probably would say I have maybe four or five actual memories and everything's just like, oh, I was there. Like, I don't remember Mm -hmm. this. And when you guys came to the U.S., was it like your whole family or how did that transition happen? Yes. So my uh, dad decided to like uh, move the family to um, Texas because uh, he had una tia there and, you know, he heard like um, there was better opportunities over here. We ended up getting a uh, visitor visa, my mom and dad, and it's just me and my sister. And she was a baby, like, uh, when she came over, because she's about three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how we did it. We came over here on a um, visitor visa, and the way we would do it is, like, you know, we'd live over here, and every summer we'd go back to renew the visitor visa, and then one of the times we got caught. And so then that was, like, that transition of from when we kept coming over here, you know, with a visa, and then we just, like, ended up having to cross back over because um, my mom, my sister, and me were the ones that would go to Mexico to renew the visa, but my dad would stay in the U.S. because he was working. He was the, the main breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when they uh, they caught us, you know, we had to stay, and then he brought us back over. And so then that was, like, transition to becoming undocumented. And I think I was like nine-ish. I mean, it's very vague. Like, I still remember the part and then like crossing over. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh, how interesting. Mm -hmm. Because for one, like your story, you know, I I obviously don't know your story. So I'm learning with the audience. And so I'm like, okay, she came when she was three. So likely it wasn't necessarily a huge transition in terms of language because you started from school from very young here. But then to know that at the age of nine, you then experience having to cross over. And do you remember that experience? Yeah, I still, that's one of the few memories that I, like, are imprinted in my head, like, whenever we got caught, and then my mom was like, Mm. oh, you know, because, you know, I'm the one that spoke English, and she's like, go over there, talk to the immigration officers, and I still remember, like, that scariness, and then, and then you feel, like, guilty, because, like, it didn't work, obviously, because they're like, nope, you can't cross, and so, um, and my mom's dressed and everything, and so, uh, 
you know, trying to be at a young age an advocate for my family when, you know, when we got caught, it didn't work. And so then eventually I kind of vaguely remember uh, like my parents talking and figuring out to get, a, you know, a coyote yeah. to like bring us back over. And, and it's crazy to remember that because you hear like the stories and like uh, we got a little bit lucky that they weren't like, you know, obviously they didn't take us like through the desert or something and leave us there. Okay. Um, uh -huh. But I do remember how we crossed it, and because it was the summer, we crossed the river because, you know, we're in Texas and because it's the summer, the water is lower. But I remember having to be carried by one of the senores and then some other senor carried my sister and we put like some some clothes in like a trash bag. And then I remember we were like hiding or something and they were watching the puente for the officers, mm -hmm. the immigration officers. And then I remember like it was like, go, go, go. And then we had like to be carried across the river. And then I don't know who it was but una senora i don't know she had like a house nearby and that's where we kind of like hung out for a little bit mm -hmm. until they decided to like move us and we went um to some store which is where we met my dad it was like a fiesta or something like uh, wow. some random grocery store yeah. and then i do remember that too because we were all stressed out and i remember going like down like the aisles and then i saw my dad i was like oh my god dad you know oh yeah god. i still remember that it's, it's still imprinted and you know and i don't really remember the drive back home that much but my dad told me the story of how they were like so stressed out and yeah. because you know there's the the border patrol like roaming around and stopping people but like we got lucky that uh we made it all the way back to dallas without like any stops or anything yeah but it was a long wow. it was a long drive you know my dad just recently told me the story of his sister crossing he he crossed a couple times but also like his sister and it's interesting you say like a casita and like someone had someone has a, a house right by the river because it's like yes. the same story you know he's like hay alguien que tenía una casita and so he had to wait there until his sisters were going to be crossed um across the river and then he wanted to help to make sure that nothing happened to his sisters he came out and then yeah he told me about the casita but he didn't necessarily tell me that then there's like migra like watching out after yeah it's it's crazy because i just recently learned about like the whole full story i think earlier like this year and um and i and it's funny because i remember que estaba otra muchacha with us like another girl with us mm. and then i was like who was that and she he's like oh yeah because they had um i guess somebody else from like their neighborhood was querían pasar like one of their daughters or something i don't remember what it was but mm -hmm. he's like yeah he remembers that um they didn't want to like the coyotes were gonna try to keep her because um they wanted more money like after oh. the cruzaron they're like well now we and they tried to do it to us too but my dad gave them the money and but the other people couldn't and my dad was like you're not gonna keep her like you know we'll get you the money you know i'm good for it i just gave you more money i was like but she's not gonna stay here by herself and everything like that so wow. um so we brought her with us and i was like oh so that's who that that girl was mm -hmm. and yeah and he was telling me that there's like checkpoints across uh the interstate or whatever mm -hmm. and um there was one that he had to pass through 
but because he picked us up like cause like in the middle of the night it wasn't uh it wasn't manned it was closed so we just oh. passed through it and he was like uh you know is that a memory because i'm just wondering i mean i don't necessarily share i was born here so i don't share the experience of crossing the border but i'm wondering what was imprinted in me from a very young age is the story of my parents right and the fact that they had to come here and it was the the root or the source of a lot of like my passion or drive for whatever i would do you know it was kind of like it really drove the fact that I felt such a deep responsibility to make my parents proud and make it all worth it. I'm wondering for you, having that memory, was that like an imprint that affected how you lived your childhood? I think it did, you know, just reflecting back on on just life is that um, even from, you know, when they didn't let us pass and from that time, and probably earlier, it's just like, it probably just don't remember because, you know, since you're the one that speaks English, you're the one like making phone calls and stuff. But I yeah. think that was kind of like a little bit of the turning point of realizing that I'm responsible for my family because mm. I had to like advocate, you know, for my mom and my sister and me to let us like go through. Yeah. Um, and then several um, times along, you know, my life, it just being put in that position all the time. And it stayed with me. I still have that responsibility to this day of the well-being of my mom and dad and my sister. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'll ask you in a second what you resonate with most, healing or awakening. But I think that um, if there's not a conscious, I think, separation of that responsibility, you likely can keep it for the rest of your life. It's kind of like the role that we take within the family. And if we don't, um, recognize that we can transform that role, that it doesn't have to stay the same, then we might be embodying that responsibility for a very long time. So maybe that's a perfect like lead into, you know, the healing and awakening journey. Which one of those two resonates with you most? I would say right now, it's a little bit of both of, a, of an awakening of, you know, coming to terms and realizing that's why the reason that I'm the way I am and then starting to like go through I'm starting to like ask my parents more questions like I found some stuff from my mom I was like oh my god and so just like getting like how you were saying like getting to know their story so it's awakening also like realizing why you know uh they act a certain way you know why you know my parent my mom like might have anxiety of certain things and and just like understanding them them more and yeah. myself as well and and understanding why I have this weight on me to make sure that my family's as well. Yeah. And then but it also takes me down like the healing path of trying to get a little bit of separation and realize that, you know, it's okay if, you know, you pull back a little bit and um and then ensuring that I go and look for like maybe therapy for everything that I've gone through because it wasn't probably till like last year when I started you know hearing more of I think it was because of TikTok and all that and I started seeing more uh people that have gone through the same as me because mm-hmm. uh, for the most part you're going through life and you're just like surviving and you're in that that zone yeah and now that I, like 
I see more uh, like other people that were going through it, you know, um, it starts kind of kind of that healing process and realizing like the trauma that you've been living with and just kind of ignoring. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm at that point, too, of trying to uh, come to terms with that and find a way to heal that. So that way mm-hmm. it, it stops affecting me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think one thing that I hear often is like we describe it as weight, you know, like it's this weight that you carry. And it's so interesting because I think a lot of the times it's very invisible, like even to our own selves, which is so interesting, right? Like we don't even recognize that it's a weight that you've been carrying. It's more so, like you said, you kind of just go through life and you're in survival mode. So it creates kind of this tunnel vision of this is life. This is how it is. This is how I, this is what's required of me, you know, and this is how I need to be. I think you said TikTok, you think is kind of like what got you into this. And what has that process looked like for you over this last year when you've, you know, started to dip your toe into reconciling basically like your past, your probably your present and how you currently are? With TikTok, um, it kind of opened, I guess, the community or the world to me because I was so and I think it was also like the the whole COVID stuff. It kind of like brought everything Mm to a uh, standstill a little bit to the point where you can actually stop and look around your surroundings Mm -hmm. because this whole time I I have just been like on you know focused on a goal like making sure I go to school making sure I get a good career making sure I'm making money making sure I'm making good financial decisions and that in the future will pay off to ensure that not only you know, that I'm good, but I'm able to make sure that my family's good, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm feel like I'm responsible for like, you know, because they're not going to have like a, a retirement and stuff. Yeah. So I was kind of like stuck in that grind mode that whole time. And so when like COVID and TikTok came around, um, I started seeing more people like me And just hearing their stories and just, you know, seeing how they're processing and just building that community and, and, you know, like talking to other uh, first gens that been through the same journey has, um, I guess, helped me in um, analyzing my own myself and realizing Mm -hmm. that how how I was hurting myself because I was, you know, putting all that pressure but even my dad had to kind of like um, tell me to chill out too and to just like start enjoying life too because he started seeing that as well that I was just getting stuck on grind mode and um, he now has to tell me all the time like you know remember to enjoy life you know we'll be okay and it's like mm-hmm. that's starting to help me as well and um, seeing the TikToks about like you know, yeah, you know, we have that responsibility, but um, we also got to start, you know, putting ourselves first a little bit sometimes. So Yeah. How interesting that also your dad has come into this knowing, you know, because I think a lot of the, like, maybe the struggle sometimes is like you coming into it and not being able to or know how to communicate that to your parents or siblings. And I imagine there's probably a ton of different ways that people come into like 
involving their family into their healing, right? Because if you're changing and you're transforming, then it's likely that those around you will notice it or that those around you will notice the change and not necessarily it be well received sometimes. But I'm wondering like, you know, it sounds like you're getting more information from your parents. So is it something that has been easy to um, maybe communicate with your family or how has that been for you? So, so I'll be honest, I like, I'm still kind of, resisting a lot just because um I'm worried of like all the emotional aspect of it and I think it's because of everything that I've gone to I'm very like reserved and I keep stuff in in all the time and I'm not very like um I guess an emotional person so I just like bottle stuff up so I've been like slowly talking to my dad and um having these conversations but I, I I don't think I was ready yet to just have a full-on like a open conversation of everything that we've been through yeah um so I've been taking my time just because I'm a little bit worried of everything that might come out mm-hmm. uh with my mom too I've had a few conversations but I've had to navigate that one a little bit different because um she may feel a little bit of attacked Mm -hmm. um and so i've had to like even when i was bringing up just a a regular conversation about the trauma of like crossing over and growing up undocumented Mm -hmm. um that can feel like an attack to her like oh well it's our fault or whatever and i'm like you know no it's not your fault or uh she might dismiss it a little bit and I'm like, no, it's not that it's your fault or anything like that. That's just a fact of like growing up undocumented is, you know, you're living in fear the whole time. Like that's yeah. going to have trauma. And so uh, I've had a little bit of conversations with her, but I don't think she's um, there yet. Um, but she's been getting better at or maybe my tact has been getting better at making sure that when I'm. Uh, trying to open these conversations that they are don't feel like I am attacking her or blaming her or something like that. I honestly think that that's one of the things that makes this journey for first gen so difficult because you're not only managing like your own emotions, what's coming up for you, what you're remembering, but in addition to that, a lot of us have parents that maybe too are emotionally unavailable for that as well, for that type of healing, right? And so like you said, it's kind of like you then have to manage your own tact, like your tactics or way of approaching things and how you're processing. So it's kind of like you're holding both. And I think that's what makes it like really difficult. Um, but super cool that, you know, you've already recognized that for yourself. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I've definitely had a few conversations and my sister as well and even with her I tell her because and it's funny that she'll be like I don't remember that I was like because I was the one that was dealing with it like I was you know the one they weren't asking you hey you call this company or hey figure out why this or that or whatever because it was me so you were never the one that they put that pressure on you were just like like whatever yeah. Uh, so that way, so yes, you still have some of the trauma, especially since we're 
we're, we both grew up, you know, undocumented and that fear of, you know, getting like deported and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't go through, um, and, and, the, and which is why she probably doesn't feel that weight of my parents. And it kind of like frustrates me sometimes. I was like, I need you to like get also on top of this because I can't do this by myself. And so through those three people is like navigating my dad with his stuff and because he has his own trauma and I'm learning about his stuff and then my mom too making sure that she doesn't feel attacked so that way she can be receptive to what I'm telling her and then with my sister too like having to tell her like uh yeah we there was some stuff going on you just didn't notice because I was the one that was doing everything and so that way you didn't have to yeah um so so it's like three different avenues that I have to navigate wow oh my god Violeta I feel like you just gave my heart and soul a little hug (laughs) because I I mean you know I love doing the podcast and like content Because one, I just didn't want people to feel alone. But one thing that it's done for me is not made me feel alone too, you know? Um, I too have just one sister. So it's my dad, my mom, my sister, and I. And my sister is also three years younger than me. So there's just a three years difference. And um, that is, like what you said, I resonate with everything. Because I think something that happens with parents sometimes is they just also don't like keep tabs on oh yeah it's just one child that i'm relying on you know they just get used to it like oh pues ya sabe mi password oh pues ella ya sabe so then they just start relying on you for everything so growing up similarly like if they had to make a call for internet i would set it up if they had a new phone i would set it up you know it was kind of like every single thing and obviously my sister doesn't even like know what that weight feels like like she kind of you know, at some point it could be like, why don't you just forgive them? Or why don't you, why, like, it's not, not that bad, you know? And it's like, sure, but you don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, you know? Till this day, I still translate things for my parents. I still am their go-to for things. Like the other day, um, I was on the phone, like a three-way call with my dad because he wants to cancel this account that he has. It's been weeks-long process. So this is week three that we're talking to different people. And so he calls me, he mutes himself, and then he just says yes when they say, do you authorize your daughter to speak on your behalf? And then he mutes himself again. And this is something new. This week, I just told him, hey, dad, I have no problem helping you, but I would love if you take ownership of what we're doing here. Um, So I told him, can you get the account number ready for when they ask for it, like you say it? He's like, esas cosas no las tengo yo. And I was like, exactly, because I'm keeping tabs and notes (laughs) of everything. (laughs) And so, yeah, and so and so he took like, you know, 10 minutes looking for the account number and I had it right in front of me. I, I was ready, you know, but I was like, let me let him because instead of like holding resentment for once more being the go to and not getting the help, I was like, what if I just invite him to be a part of this? Yes, he. Because, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to call today. Oh, and then we're going to be on the phone for forever. And I was already feeling resentment towards him, you know, and I was like, let me not do that. Let me just be like, hey, dad, can you be a part of this? Because you mute yourself and then you just let me take on the whole conversation, you know. 
And so, so he looked for the account number, he found it. And then when we talked to the rep, like he was the one doing the talking this time, we found a Spanish rep and I muted myself and I was there for backup, you know, and it felt so good. And I was like, wow, sometimes we don't know that we can do that. Sometimes we think that yeah. we have to hold it all, you know? Yeah, that's, that's true. I think we got so focused and being the one and nowadays it's like you do have like the spanish speakers and, and you know people that can help them in spanish and that we don't have to carry that weight anymore and so my dad's also been like my my, my mom's still like i still have to do everything she's just like immediate call like uh this or that or whatever but my dad has definitely been doing everything like i don't really worry about it like he's been taking action to make sure he figures out the social security stuff he figured out that like in mexico he worked a few years there so he gets something from over there too apparently mm -hmm. and i was like oh okay and so he's been starting to take action on that but i still get like the calls and it's like and it's frustrating because like it, you know how you were talking about your sister and my sister as well she's right there I'm in California my parents are in Texas and my sister's in Texas so but yet I still get the phone call way over here and I'm like I have like a billion things that I'm doing yeah. and um and my sister you know is there to help but I still have to be the one and it's like um it's it's a it's a weird way to try to like get talk to my sister because I also don't want yeah. her to get mad, but I don't want to also continue building like a small resentment. So yeah. I'm not sure if you like feel that as well, like a little bit of resentment with your little sister. Like, come on, like why can't you also help? You know, <laughs> and so like it frustrates me. Um, and I've told her like like you're the one that's right there. You can't like just it's something simple. You could even look it up online, like mm -hmm. just do it. But I still have to uh, be the one for the most part. And and she's done a few things, but it, it's still all three of them just like just fall back on me all the time. Yeah. And so like I think I'm trying to figure out to see like just pull back a little bit to force my sister. But I don't know if she'll like pick up the slack or not. Yeah. Well, it must be so interesting because at this age, it's going to be a hard muscle for her to develop. Well, for her and your parents, right? If they're so used to it, it's kind of like a routine. Well, it's like they don't even question it. And my sister listens to this. So sister, cover your ears or applause. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but to, yeah. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, it you know, I think I I poured or I directed a lot of the resentment towards my parents, not necessarily my sister, but as I'm getting older, I too have started to think about my parents and like them getting older and how we're going to take care of them and all of this stuff. Not too long ago, Thanksgiving of last year, her and I, my sister and I were speaking and I was telling her that like I was thinking about my parents and, and that stuff and she's like, oh, I've never even thought about that. And I was like, exactly. You don't even have to think about this. <laughs> right? Like, I've been planning about their retirement since I was, like, in high school. I was like, oh, my God. So I got to make sure this, this, and that. That way wow. I'm successful. And, you know, 
And it's funny because some of the things that like I planned for like in high school of like having them like live with me and making them like a little casita where I buy some land and stuff like that. And that's slowly coming to fruition um, next year. So like the ball is rolling wow. this year because uh, I'm looking for the land, um, but I'm taking my time because I want to make sure I get the land that's that I want. Yeah. And uh, and then next year, the ball rolling with like um, building my house, but a little casita for them. So that way they're right there with me and I could take care of them and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, but my sister, yeah, probably didn't cross her mind that whole time. And I've been playing it since high school. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm going to plug that uh, you and I are going to be doing a part two where we're going to be talking more about real estate and money and all of that good stuff. Um, so stay tuned for that, guys. But I do want to take maybe talk about what you're talking about right now, because I have a feeling that so many, including myself, can resonate with planning for that and also maybe it not happening as fast as you think it's going to happen. Can we talk about that? Because that's real. I feel like those emotions are so real. Like, I remember, you know, being in in high school thinking, by the time I'm 25, I'll have my first house. So easy, right? Like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I had the same thought, too. <laughs> I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to become, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to become a millionaire. And boom, like, everything's going to happen great. I'll be able to, like, retire my parents. And now I'm 30. I don't have my house. I haven't retired my parents like my dad's still working a very labor intensive job he's getting injured once in a while now because he's older um, my mom still works two jobs and so it's kind of like oh crap like the, the the time is like passing and for me I'm just feeling the the oh basically you know yeah definitely um as they get older it's like you feel like you're running out of time and you know I planned for for this stuff and I thought I was going to get it like a little bit earlier, right? Yeah. Um, so I started planning since high school on what the steps I needed to take uh, to become successful so that way I could take care of my parents. But we what we fail to take into account is the market, right? Or like, you know, uh, inflation and all that stuff and even the prices like, of like college and the loans and, and those are things that we don't know about so that throws like a wrench in our plan of like our finances or just our plan in general of yeah. becoming successful and so then that starts becoming frustrating especially when you see like our, our white counterparts or you know yeah. um that like you see them now that they're like oh you know i got a house at age 20 you're like what like <laughs> I I was I don't think I I bought my house what how old I was I think I was like 26 mm. and and it was only because of the VA loan right cuz oh. like a military so you we have a special program where you can get a house without a down payment so okay. that was an opportunity presented to to me that a lot of us don't have and so it's going to take you like longer to build up, you know, the down payment or the credit score or whatever on top of not knowing how to do any of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so you in in the meantime, you're seeing your parents, you know, struggling 
and still working. Like my mom also still just works, and I'm like, do like, and they're older now. Um, when you were younger, you were like, okay, yeah, you don't like that they're mm -hmm. working so hard, and um, but you know, you see them young, and you're yeah. like, okay, I, I have time. But now it's like same thing. My mom thinks she's what like fifty five or something like that. Fifty eight. And my dad's like 63 mm. and they're both still working. And especially my mom, she works like uh, nights and I'm like stressing out because I'm worried that she's going to like hurt herself. Or I'm worried about my dad or whatever. And um, so now I feel like this, like, oh, my God, I'm running out of time. I got to hurry up. You, you got to kind of like control that because it might lead you to taking some financial risk that you are not ready for. And then it could make it even worse because it's going to set mm -hmm. you back if it causes something that like to fail or, you know. Mm -hmm. How have you, like you said, you have to control that. Has there been like any thought, like perspective or something that has allowed you to, to set that down for a little bit, that pressure or how do you navigate it? Because, yeah, I think, like, as time passes by, maybe guilt, pressure, fear, all of those things kind of ramp up a little bit more. So how do you navigate it, I guess? A little bit that helps is that I'm not, like, right there. Um, mm -hmm. But every time I go visit, like, I just went this past uh, for Mother's Day. And then I was like, oh, man, I need to hurry up. Uh, mm -hmm. But because I know that if I you know, jump the gun per se, like I could mess up the plan that I have. So I have to really, um, because, because I have a set plan, um, of how I want to do these things. Um, it's keeping me a little bit in check to not act on emotion so much. Um, uh, like earlier this year, I was feeling that anxiety of like, man, I need to make a move right now. Uh, the goal for me is buy a rental property one per year and the goal was in the fall time but earlier in the spring I was feeling that pressure of like okay I need to buy one now mm. but if I let that feeling keep going I may end up buying any property that is not actually a good investment and then it's gonna set me back um so just like learning to sit down and I do have like a mentor and I, and I like I messaged him and I was like, Hey, uh, are you finding anything with like, what do you think of the market right now? And he's like, yeah, right now is probably not a good time. I, I don't see anything, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I thought about this. Um, cause I was going to take a, a strategy that was, is very risky. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, he talked me down, um, from that emotional because I was feeling that pressure of like, okay, I need to do uh, something, yeah. but I'm not ready for that strategy yet. And so mm -hmm. luckily um, that's why it's always good to have like a mentor on whatever it is that you're trying to do mm -hmm. or uh, because then you could like go to them and they could check that emotion for you. Cause they don't have, you know, he doesn't know my family. He doesn't, I mean, he knows me a little bit, but you know, there's, no emotional on his side so he's the logic 
Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah, like having a sounding board for what yes. you're feeling and thinking. Mm-hmm. Oof, I think that's so important because I think a lot of the things that as first gens, especially eldest or eldest acting, that we hold, we hold it in our minds. Like it never really leaves our mind. It's something that we, we the weight that we carry, we carry it every single day, but we don't always vocalize it. We don't think anyone would understand or care. We probably learn to deal with a lot of stuff on our own. Since we're the ones figuring out things for our family and maybe you can tell me if you resonate but usually I don't rely on my family for things like I don't ask them how do I set up this this thing in my computer like I will google it and figure it out I don't ask them about much things to be honest like I like to hang out with them spend time with them have fun with them but when it comes to like troubleshooting I I kind of got myself I kind of learned to do that for myself you know yeah it's it's funny because um it took me a little bit to start really kind of like um, getting a mentor because, uh, you know, growing up, you are that person that has the answers, that is the go-to. So for me, the whole time, and, and, and it's a little bit of pride too. It ends up being mm. like a pride thing because I remember going through like my career and, you know, not necessarily asking for help as much because I was like, no, I could do it. Yo lo puedo hacer by myself. Like I could look this up. I don't need nobody's help or whatever, but it made things so much harder than it needed to be just because I was, you know, terca. I wanted to be, you know, the one that I did it by myself or whatever. And it wasn't until like, I started getting mentors that, you know, things started becoming easier. Like, you know, I started skipping steps because I had somebody that had already gone through that. And so, yeah, that's one uh, one thing that sometimes we have to learn, especially when we got used to being the the go to that is sometimes hard to let go and be able to find a mentor and ask for that help or accept that help and have someone guide you because we want to say that, you know, nobody helped me. I I did this all on my own. I, you know, I didn't have to rely on anybody um, because we like the idea of like self-made and all that stuff. But, you know, we're already behind in a lot of things that we, we just, uh, mentorship really accelerates that journey. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Dropping the story, right? The story of it has to be me or by myself. I know probably those that are listening, everyone has a different, like they're in different stages of it all. One thing that really helped me is vocalizing to them that feeling that I had because for the longest, I was just stressed about it and felt it, but I never talked to them about it, you know? And so something that helped was being like, I had this conversation with my dad. It was more emotional than I wish it was. Like, I was like, oh, I hate that I'm so emotional about this. But, you know, I told him like, I feel sad that I haven't been able to help you financially and that you're, you know, that I can't tell you to stop working. And I just want you to know that. Like, I want you to know that this is on my mind all the time and it sucks. Like, I hate it, but I'm sorry. Like, I'm not there. And it's hard. It's hard to say those words, right? Because it's just like this, I don't know. For me, it was really emotionally charged, but it was so helpful for me because he was like, Mija, like, don't be thinking about that yet. You know, I'm healthy. I'm fine. Like, I'm not there yet. And um, he's like, a mí me gusta trabajar. And so he just gave me his perspective. It didn't take that thought away completely, but 
it was no longer something that I allowed to like weigh so heavy down on me anymore. And it wasn't like so charged. I, I kind of like I took away its power by letting it out, you know? Um, so that was, that's a tip that I would recommend for those of you listening, if it's possible for you guys to like vocalize it, let it out and see what happens, you know, and see what you receive back. Because sometimes we also make it something so different than it actually is once it's out. Yeah, that's true, because sometimes they don't realize, you know, how much stress you have still, because when you're you're younger, um, they probably know, like, okay, a little bit of stress with your kid, and you have to, like, translate or whatever, but now that you're older, they don't realize that there's, and like you said, it's became, it became a habit, and they don't think about that we are thinking about their retirement, you know, they're just, mm-hmm. like, living their life and everything, and so the same uh, not in, I didn't have like an in-depth conversation with my my dad but just you know the things that I'm telling him and you know like oh um you know I'm doing this because I want to you know get land and this and that so y'all can live with me and this and that whatever and he had to like you know stop me and you know and it still tells me like you know I'm making the plans I'm making sure this and that so like don't worry about us I'm figuring it out so that way you know so like that in itself and especially now that i know that um with the mexico thing you know they're gonna mm-hmm. have like health care over there uh, you know they're gonna you know i think he gets like retirement i don't know too much so that mm-hmm. has you know relieved some of the pressure for me because he's doing some of the legwork to ensure yeah. that you know him and my mom are gonna be okay afterwards so um and then we sat down over oh no I think it was a phone conversation and he told me his whole plan of like you know of how he's gonna be you know making money and if they're gonna live with me they're gonna rent out this house and you know just laid down and when I heard that that made me feel like so much better because they he has taken the time to come up with a plan and it's it's doable and like I was like okay it released some of the pressure because I'm like okay I don't have to stress out that much because they are going to be okay um so and that just happened this year that I I found out of his plan and I was like why didn't you tell me (laughs) like this whole time I was like He's like, yeah. oh, he's like, I don't know. So <laughs> I was like, I've been like stressing out this whole time and you've been making moves. And yeah. it's like, he didn't realize that maybe he should tell me because I'm over here <laughs> making a whole plan and stressing yeah. out. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, I think we see them living their lives. They probably see us living our life and they don't think that we think and we don't think that they think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm over here. Yeah seeing them and like okay I gotta do this and then he's probably was seeing me he's like okay I gotta make sure I do this so I'm not a a burden to to my daughter and everything and we just didn't communicate so we're both just stressed out yeah (laughs) so yeah communication I mean we hear that all the time right communication is key but a lot of the times I think in our family we're also leaders sometimes in like the communication aspect you know like we have to open certain doors that have been closed for so long and so we're the ones opening the communication windows and so cool that like one I love your plan of like you know your home and building them a home and how beautiful that some of that pressure has been taken off so that you don't feel like you're it's this urgent thing you know that you have to do now because even if his plan doesn't completely fill everything that you want 
for them, at least it's a piece of it, right? And so you're not taking care of all of it. It's like you can focus on your plan. He focuses on his. And somewhere in the middle, it's going to work out, you know? Exactly. Yep. Well, I am excited to start talking to you about real estate. But before we do, I have some resource questions. You've told us, you know, that it's kind of been this year where you've been focusing on maybe your healing, maybe that like looking in the way of, oh, what happened? What my story, you know, like looking, really looking at that and Mm -hmm. and processing. Right. So um, if others are in that stage of their journey maybe you can share with us what is one tool that has really been helpful during this time for me right now I did sign up finally for for therapy but um because of COVID there um they were still backed up and I couldn't Mm. get like um a therapist that I wanted uh, so this year I'm trying again, but have to do the whole initial stage of like where they analyze mm. you to figure out where, you know, to send you. Yeah. So, but that's not till next month. Cause they're still a little bit like, we don't have enough therapists. So, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the, in the military, we don't have enough, mm. um, initial ones. I think I probably did four sessions last year and just doing that helped me a lot because, um, one of the things they pointed out to me is like, I disassociate a lot. And Mm. so, um, you know, ensuring that you go to therapy for sure. I know, um, I mean, I was like that and I still a little bit, uh, hesitant because like it's, it's nerve wracking to like go to therapy and, you know, have all that brought back up when you buried it so deep. (laughs) And I was like, no, like, you know, I buried it deep. (laughs) So, but I realized that it's something that needs to be addressed because it's obviously still affecting me in certain aspects of my life and, you know, the way I am, things that might trigger me. Uh, So it's important to address that. Uh, Another tool is just like I've started reading more um, more books on either like self-help or um, just more uh of our culture books okay. um even if it's just like um oh what's it called like just made up stories just being able to relate to the characters mm. um also like watching like social media like youtube i've i've made a, a big effort to search people um that have similar experiences as me mm-hmm. um on tiktok instagram on youtube and then, so that's been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely in the podcast, which is how I found you, because I was like, oh, you know, self-feeling, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and and hearing those stories uh, on your podcast or similar podcasts on a variety of subjects, it just helps me feel like, you know, my experience is a a legit experience and, you know, I'm not the only one that, you know, maybe we all don't have the exact same, but it's similar and we have the same, uh, some similarities. So you're not feeling alone and that's very comforting. And then even that in itself is what told me like you need to go get therapy (laughs) so like seeing the tiktoks and seeing like the podcast it's like you need to go get therapy you know go find (laughs) and then even with that told me like okay you can't just have like any therapist you need to find one that is um 
you know, experienced in or familiar with the first gen experience, especially wow. undocumented, because yeah. if you go to whatever therapist, they're not going to understand and help you correctly. Yeah. Favorite song. Let's see if you have one to listen to that, like, is a pick me up or just puts you in a good mood. Like Peso Pluma or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, I've been into his just because him and uh, uh, Yaritza, I think is her, her name, Yaritza. But they're like, they're bringing like the corridos back and that's been very comforting. So it, it really, like when I, like even when I work out here, because um, I like to sit out here and just be in the back. Um, I'll put that music on it, and it's comforting because mm -hmm. that's like music that I grew up with, but then went through that whole like assimilation process, and it kind of like pushed that away. Yeah. And so then now that it's coming back, like I'm enjoying it. It's like yes, finally, yeah. like I could, you know, <laughs> it's back. I, yeah. You know, as I. Which it came at a perfect time as I'm, you know, healing that part of the the assimilation process that kind of got away with your culture and identity and stuff. Yeah. So now that it's here, I like I like to play it a lot to try mm -hmm. to like, you know, rekindle with my identity from before. What is your favorite quote or advice that you maybe refer back to? Um, there's one that um, we used to say it a lot but i heard it like on a tiktok like again <laughs> um but let me see how it went it's the it's a very uh variation of like where they say bloom where you're planted and you know mm -hmm. that was told to me throughout my career like you know because we get sent to different places um so you want to bloom where you are but like on tiktok i heard that one and it was basically like yeah bloom where you're planted but if it's like you know um how do he say it basically like if the soil isn't good or whatever then uproot yourself and put you you know mm. plant yourself where you are going to be able to flourish yeah. type deal and that was a a, a, diff a different mentality than what I've been you know dealing with the whole time of like okay wherever I go I'm going to stay there and do, you know, the best I can or whatever, right? You're blooming where you're planted, but you don't have to do that. Like you can also make a change for yourself and be able to flourish even bigger, you know? Yeah. So I really yeah. enjoyed that quote when I heard it. Ooh, I love that. And don't be scared of doing that because we, we can get a lot of fear around replanting, right? Or something new, basically. What is or who is an influencer that you follow that leaves you positively inspired? Dr. Martinez or something, but he's basically like uh, talks about language and how, um, you know, language is evolving and all that stuff. Uh, mm. But the reason I liked him, because he's always talking about how, um, you know, who cares if you're speaking Spanglish or whatever, because that was one thing that was always kind of like, um looked down upon is like mm. uh or if you especially me that you know my spanish like i i feel like it's good but obviously it's not like the perfect spanish that you know in mexico and stuff it's like the spanish that i learned over here is all informal and stuff like that and yeah. so you are self-conscious about that and so when i see him he's always spreading that positivity that you know like 
who cares? It's language. You're communicating and, you know, don't feel bad. Um, so um, when I see him pop up, I always watch his videos. And then lastly, a, a feel good or powerful book or movie. The book is like a million dollar something decisions or something but it really goes through changing your mindset of making decisions as um she calls it like broke decisions versus uh million dollar decisions mm. um but um it's basically just the mindset of you know buying back your time and all that stuff so it's really because you feel bad that you know you don't have the ability like to get a housekeeper or whatever or you feel guilty like you know especially as we're taught like okay you gotta be the career woman and you have to be able to take care of the home and the kids too and mm -hmm. but so that one is about it's a financial book but it has it's geared towards women especially women of color and, and you know black women mm -hmm. and making those decisions and getting over that mentality that you know what like buy back your time buy uh pay the, a housekeeper get you know a nanny once in a while or or cook or whatever because you know you're worth that time to be able to like relax or you know build on your business if that uh, that's what you want to do or just be able to like enjoy your kids or vacation or whatever Ooh, okay you're gonna have to tell us what the name is and i'll put it like in the okay. description because it sounds like a really good book even for me i'm like oh i want to read that so we're okay. gonna wrap this part up thank you so 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 much for sharing i know especially like if you're in your journey it's like all new and it's probably a little bit vulnerable so thank you for being open you know to share what you're currently navigating and how that looks like for you and before you know we wrap it up is there any last thing that you'd like to say to those that are listening that you're just you're not alone you know that you know seek out um you know our community we're out there we are starting to build a community on like throughout social media so that way you don't feel so alone and um definitely don't be like in that mindset of you know not reaching out for help um whether that's like therapy or finding a mentor or whatever it may be. And um, it's a yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah. I would love for people to know where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on moneycheesemed.com. That's uh, the site where you can read the blog. It posts blogs there. Or you can find me on YouTube, on um, Instagram, and on TikTok. It's uh, Money Cheeseme. Um, I think on IG is Money underscore cheese man and so uh but i pop up um so yeah you could reach out to me awesome yeah. <laughs> okay yay okay guys well thank you so so much for listening make sure you check out part two i know it's gonna be juicy <laughs> so um if you found this episode help helpful please make sure that you share it with your amigas amigos amigas and remember first gen I love you, I love me, and I can't wait for you to love yourself. Bye! Bye.